All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning and welcome to Cyber Law and Business Report. Please be seated. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica in the heart of Silicon Beach. We're one of the nation's top Internet law firms, so please check us out on the web at internetlawcenter.net. In addition, for information about this show or our blog, check out cyberlawradio.com. We're also on Twitter at cyberlawradio. So, Welcome to the inaugural show of our fourth season. Um, we're very excited about this, and um, thank you for joining us. This is um, an exciting time to be in Los Angeles. We just had the Rose Bowl and the BCS Bowl, and Sunday is the Golden Globes. And then two weeks later, we're going to have an outdoor NHL game at Dodger Stadium with Kiss performing the pregame show. So that's pretty cool, pun intended. But... um I actually was with a bunch of Canadians on New Year's Day as we watched the Detroit-Toronto hockey game before 104,000 people at Michigan Stadium. Of course, we were safe in sunny Santa Monica, but still amazing, such a turnout on the same day that Michigan State was playing the Rose Bowl. And speaking of which, I want to give a shout-out to a few past guests. Um, first of which is Mike Zanis, the IAB Vice President, who also was uh, a Michigan State alum and was in town for the Rose Bowl. So congrats to Michigan State, not only for winning the Rose Bowl, but for showing a lot of class in running a full-page ad afterwards in the Los Angeles, in Sunday Los Angeles Times, thanking the city for hospitality. And um, I was reminded about how warm the city of St. Louis greeted the Boston Red Sox fans. And now maybe I'm starting to understand why Doc Hollywood went back to Iowa after all. So another congratulations to Matt Necco, another past guest um, who's in-house with Stock, which recently was acquired by Intuit. So and I left out one other exciting event about to occur. The Oscar nominations will be announced next Thursday, which leads us to our main segment. Excuse me and that we're going to talk about film and the Internet. And this spring, one of the most anticipated film releases is Veronica Mars, based on the cult TV series that last aired in 2007. It has been named Variety's Breakout Movie of 2014, and it was funded through Kickstarter. You may recall, director Rob Thomas reached his $2 million goal on the very first day of his campaign and ultimately raised $5.7 million, a record for Kickstarter. Last July, we did a segment on a film called A New York Heartbeat, produced by Laura Davis and written and directed by her husband. And and you may recall, it also features Eric Roberts and Rachel Brosnahan, um, as the, the acting leads, um, it was, the film was funded independently, but turned to Kickstarter to raise money for distribution. And Laura joined us last July to discuss the movie and the, her Kickstarter campaign at that time. So when it had its premiere in Pittsburgh, where it was filmed, since that actually best of, currently represents 1950s New York, the local press praised the film, noting that it leads... The leads have genuine on-screen chemistry that puts every other pairing on screen this year to shame. And I also noted that there's something almost retro about New York Heartbeat's reliance on such old-fashioned cinematic virtues as a good story, sympathetic characters, and a willingness to raise the emotional stakes in its bid to keep things interesting. So here's a short clip from the film. What's the matter? Let's fill out. Hey, look. Did you steal this? No! I mean, 
Yeah, sort of. Look, here's what happened. Me and my friends, we stumbled on this. You made a promise. What? You said that if I got the suitcase, you would do anything I wanted. Oh, no, 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 no. You can. We're going to take this back. But they're pooks. Like you? Tamara, you ain't digging it. Oh, no, I'm digging it. All right, not only are you a pook, you're also a liar. But it ain't theirs. And that makes it okay for you? Easy enough for you to say. What does that mean? It's tough out there. Oh, my ma can't even make rent. You know what happens to old coots who get the boot? They, they end up bunking on the bricks and, and, and eating out of trash cans. Would, would you let that happen to Didi? No, of course not. This is for your mother? Just my cut. I gotta split the rest with my crew. I don't know when you're telling the truth anymore. Well, look, there's certain things that a fella doesn't joke around about. I do the right thing once in a while. I came through for you, didn't I? Didn't I? Yes. Yes. You did. This March, one of the most anticipated movie releases will be a film called Laura Mars, and it was something that was funded through Kickstarter, record um, funding for Kickstarter for a movie campaign um, raising over $5 million on Kickstarter. And so the, um, but that is just one of many um, films that were funded by Kickstarter. As you recall, last year we talked about this topic, and at that time we had um, Laura Davis on to talk about um, her film, which was a New York heartbeat, and which was at that time in kind of a post-production distribution stage. And um, they're actually about to have the Los Angeles premiere um, this Saturday here in um, Los Angeles as part of the, the new filmmakers um, festival that's taking place at the same time featuring both a New York heartbeat and um, a number of um, short films. We have um, Laura Davis, who is um, part of the, the producer of the um, New York Heartbeat, and uh, um, she was with us before. Are, are you with us, Laura? I am. Hi, Bennett. Hi. And we have Larry LeBeau with the New Filmmakers um, Festival in Los Angeles. Larry, are you with us? I am. Thanks, Bennett. Um I guess, Larry, why don't we start with you, since um, we've had Laura on before. What is the New Filmmakers um, series? Well, New Filmmakers is a monthly film festival in Los Angeles, and what we aim to do is we aim to showcase films on a monthly basis so that each filmmaker gets a more dedicated showcase to their film, um, and we do it uh, annually all throughout the year. So you... Um so this month you're featuring the premiere of, of obviously of a, a New York heartbeat, and then you have a number of short films. And uh, what made you choose New York heartbeat? Uh, it's a great feature. It's very well written. Um, it's very very well cast. Very well directed. Um, they did an incredible job with the production design. Uh, the quality of production overall is just great. Everything from uh, what you see on camera. Um, and into the work you can see that they did into the post-production of the project. So overall, it's just a really well-done project. And um, what's really important to us is, is story and performance, and they knocked it out of the park. And um, and so this festival, um, for example, um, on the Saturday's performance of a New York heartbeat, have you had a, sh- a, a, a movie of this, of this prominence before? Um, yeah, we've actually we screened a lot of very uh, successful indie features that have done really well, and we're really well known in Los Angeles for the quality of films that we screen. So I think you know we've been around now for seven years, and I think most of our growth has really come from um, people entrusting kind of what they can expect when they come to a new filmmakers festival. Um, they they really expect you know a quality level of filmmaking and um, and that you know generally shines through uh, on all of the films that we screen and um, a New York Harpy is certainly you know up there with some of the best that we screen. And, and what are some of your notable, for lack of a better word, alumni of films that you've screened that people may recognize, our listeners may recognize? 
One of our filmmakers, uh, Jesse Atlas, made a short called Record Play, and that short was just uh, shortlisted for Best Short Narrative Film for the 2014 Academy Awards. That's great. Nice. And it was also picked up uh, for development by Focus Features. So right now um, it's being developed into a feature which is being produced by uh, one of the producers who did... Um, so one of the producers of American Hustle is now um, the lead producer in the development of that, that short uh, with focus features and into a feature-length project. So that's a really nice success story because you, you rarely hear about that um, with short filmmakers. It's a lot more difficult to sort of parlay a short film to something, uh, something bigger. Um, and then another success story of 2013 was one of the short films that we had been promoting uh, and screening um, actually won the Academy Award for Best Short Documentary Film. So um, we've seen a lot of films winning major, major awards, uh, including, you know, of course, the Academy Award, which is sort of the pinnacle of what every filmmaker hopes to achieve. And then we've seen a lot of our features, um, features like A New York Heartbeat, getting picked up for major distribution deals with, um, you know, for television distribution with Showtime and theatrical distribution with the Skilloscope and some really major distribution labels. So um, it just speaks, again, to the kind of content that you can really expect to see when you come to the festival. And uh, I think people are really going to see that on Saturday with, with Laura's film. So Now, Laura, you're, when last we spoke, you were in the final week of your Kickstarter campaign. I think by the time we aired, um, you would actually have met your goal on Kickstarter and um, and then some. So Kickstarter was very um, helpful for you. How, what has happened um, since then? Well, um, yeah, that's right. The last time we spoke, I think it was the middle of the night in Hong Kong, <laughs> at least where I was. <laughs> yes, and I we didn't. That. <laughs> yeah, we did make, um, we, in fact, we made, we, we got a couple thousand dollars past our goal, and that money was, you know, enormously helpful, as you can imagine. Um, and the film at that point was already done, which made us somewhat unusual, I think, on Kickstarter. But we needed it for the kinds of things you don't see on the screen, but that are nonetheless um, not only important, but, uh, but mandatory. So to give you a few examples of what we spent the money on, um, well, for one thing, we had uh, music licensing that we had to do. That was probably our single most expensive uh, uh, uh the, the highest cost that we had. We also had certain marketing costs um, associated with various festivals. That was actually not the lion's share of it by any means. We had legal fees, to be honest with you. We had to buy um, errors and omissions insurance. So it was that kind of unsexy stuff, and it's the stuff you don't see on the screen, so you hate to spend the money, but you have to if the film is ever going to see the light of day. And thanks to you, Bennett, and other Kickstarter supporters, we were able to do that, so the film will be released by Echo Bridge Entertainment without um, causing us to, uh, you know, put a second mortgage on our home. So that was so <laughs> important, and we're really grateful for 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 uh, all the donations. And so, when will distribution happen? Yeah, you know, something I don't have a specific release date yet, except that it's in early 2014. And Echo Bridge, which is a small um, quality distributor, I know they picked up a film out of Cannes around the same time they picked us up. They're strongest in uh, the areas of VOD, which is pretty much, you know, what's driving the, the film business today. Television sales, to a lesser extent, DVD, as that begins to die away. We kept the theatrical rights. Uh, to the film, because in all honesty, a very small film like this um, is very difficult to market theatrically. It's just too expensive. The numbers don't make sense for a distributor. So what we're doing, and certainly new filmmakers, is huge for us, and it's also really the first big screening. As you know, we did a run in Pittsburgh, sort of our out-of-town tryout to see what well, just to gauge audience and critical reaction. But through new filmmakers, and we hope a little later um, this winter, at Arclight Presents, Arclight Hollywood Presents series, and I've submitted it to the Siskel Center in Chicago. We've made some progress there. They're looking for a slot for us in the spring. We're trying to get some meaningful theatrical slots 
so we can generate some press, hopefully some reviews, and then our distributor can use that just to try and raise the film's profile in the marketplace. I'm talking about domestically for overseas, which Echo Bridge is also handling. There, frankly, what drives that is the fact that it's a crime thriller, that it's got Eric Roberts. I've seen the artwork. That's more about guns and Rachel um, Brosnahan, a female lead, running with her little nighty flower. <laughs> yes, I'm looking at the poster. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no. yeah, that's that's the plan, and that's where things stand. I'll, I'll let you know when I have a release date. Now, I'm looking at the Echo Bridge um, website, and it has the poster, and it says not rated. Um, do you, is that still another hoop you have to go through? No, um, they don't require that. You know, if there's any advertising, it'll just say, and you see this, you know, in the New York Times, the LA Times, where it just says this film is not rated. That doesn't mean it's a, you know, that it's a triple X. All it means is, frankly, we couldn't afford to submit it to the Picture um, Association, which is the ratings board. And that's, I looked into that because I, I think we'd probably be a PG-13. Um, and I'd like people to know that, you know, it's not an R rating. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, extreme violence or, or or certainly sexual situations, but it's just too expensive. They charge thousands of dollars to do that, so we just decided not to go for the rating, and Echo Bridge was okay with that. And the downside, I think, though, is aren't there some markets with the, the you know small smaller markets with only one major newspaper, and the newspapers, some of them don't accept ads for films that aren't rated. Yeah, you know something that's I, I you. It sounds like you know more about that than I do. I'm embarrassed to admit. Um, so far, it hasn't come up. I mean, certainly, if Echo Bridge told me it was going to be an impediment to a major sale, then I would go ahead and do it. You know, sort of. Uh, well, there are a handful of things that are that we're going to do on an as-needed basis. So, if that turns out to be one of them, then of course we would go ahead and do that. Now, yeah, there's a great document, actually, documentary, actually. This film has not been rated, and it's all about um, the rating process and some of the, the peculiarities about it, and then who exactly are these people? And Yeah, oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, I've seen that. And uh, the guy does a great sleuth job of tracking people down. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. Webmasterradio.fm presents Search Kingdom. We explore the world of search marketing, give in-depth analysis inside the important industry headlines, and interview with the most important industry thought leaders. 
Search Kingdom, on demand inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. So, um, now, are there any other festivals that you'll be airing this at? You know something, we're not really focusing on festivals at this point, and the reason for that is is we have distribution. Right, and that's the point. So, yes. Yeah, that's, well, that's one of the points. The other point of festivals, of course, is to introduce the work of a new filmmaker. So that's why New Filmmakers LA is really important to us, um, because the people we want to introduce to artists' work to are, for the most part, here in Los Angeles. And then the other part of our strategy, as I mentioned, you applied to the Cisco Center, and they told me they're looking for a slot for us in the spring. And then I have to focus on a place, a venue in New York where we can screen the film. Because if I can hit those three markets, in New York and L.A. in particular, obviously, that's more important to me, frankly, than laurels. Because, and Larry, you, you may disagree with me, um, and yours is a prestigious laurel we're happy to have on our website. But I wonder if it really, uh, lots of laurels don't impress me, frankly, unless they all say Sundance and Cannes. Um, so we yeah, just sort of chose them not of- to go that route. Yeah, in terms of sort of like the pedigree of having, you know, a laurel for um, that sort of cosmetic purpose, I think, you know, the major festivals like Cannes, Sundance, Toronto, those are the ones that distributors really want to see. And quite honestly, most of um, the people in the middle of America would maybe recognize um, if they decided, you know, when looking at a poster, oh, I'm going to watch this film because I know that festival and it, it screams a really good film. I think the purpose of a festival like New Filmmakers and, like, a lot of the festivals out there, um, even very great festivals like AFI Fest or L.A. Film Festival, which are other L.A.-based uh, major film festivals, is the publicity that comes along with it exactly. and the promotions that come along with it for the filmmaker. And Laura... You've done an amazing job at, you know, taking the ball into your court and stepping up to work with us as a festival to help promote your film. And you'd be surprised at how many filmmakers don't actually take advantage and don't actually kind of work the situation that they have at hand. I think what New Filmmakers offers is it offers a really amazing venue. It offers a really amazing audience. We have over 56,000 people on our mailing list in L.A. Uh, we have over 1,000 subscribers who are members of New Filmmakers, so they pay an actual membership fee um, to come to our screening events all year long to have access to all of our screenings. So um, with our membership alone, we can easily fill an audience. Um, of our 500-seat theater. We have our um, movie listing service. So if you go on, um, you know, websites right now like Yahoo Movies or Movie Phone or Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb and you look up movie show times in zip code 90015, you're going to see new filmmakers pop up as a theater, and you're going to see Laura's film, A New York Harpy, listed as a screening that people can go see. And what's really special and important about that is it puts independent films like A New York Heartbeat in the mainstream. So we can get people who are mainstream and blockbuster moviegoers who might be searching for showtimes in their area to come and see something at our theater that they stumble across. And we can list, you know, Laura's film next to those big blockbuster films. Um, We have a lot of other things that we do like that. We have... Um, you know, a press distribution list of over 20,000 people. Um, but what it takes is really, you know, a filmmaker who is going to be willing to follow up with those people and reach out on behalf of their film. Um, because, you know, people want, people want the story behind the film. They don't just want to hear about a synopsis and who's in it. They want to hear about what's special about it. Um, and that's where, you know, the filmmaker really comes into play with helping a festival um, to promote because, you know, for us, we've been doing this for seven years, so we we pretty much have everybody that we can reach out to in a mass mailing, but we don't, we can't reach out to all of them individually. And I think 
you know, having somebody like Laura bounce off, hey, do you know this person or that person with us as a festival, it just it just creates a lot more uh, reciprocity of things happening than if we were to just kind of blast out an email on our own. Now, um, you know, of the movies that you deal with, I mean, and Laura's film came via Kickstarter in part. I mean, granted, she got the production budget on her own. But how important is Kickstarter or similar sites to independent film today? I think Kickstarter is... I think Kickstarter is the number one way people are raising money for independent films right now. Um, between that and other websites like Indiegogo, um, I I see you know a, a very large number of the films we screen raising funds that way. I know a large number of independent filmmakers who have raised funds that way. And I see a lot of our alumni filmmakers continuing to go on to their next projects to raise funding that way. Um, And you don't even, you know, it's not even just unknown independent filmmakers who are raising money to make independent films that way. You see it um, with celebrities. I think a really great... Rob Thomas, Zach Brandt, Spike Lee... Charlie Kaufman, James Franco, Sylvester Stallone, you, Adrian, um, David Lynch, you know, you name it. Um, they're all there. Wow, yeah, I didn't know I didn't know all those people. That's amazing. I, I, I can go on. Paul Snyder, Ricky Lake, um, Alex Cox, Melissa Joan Hart, all of them have um, done something on Kickstarter. I mean I think I think with them it's a little bit of a unique situation because they're all very well known and they have a following and they have a fan base, so it's a lot easier for someone like that to raise money uh, than an unknown director who just has their circle of friends and people who believe in them. Um, but I have seen I have seen some really amazing success stories. Uh, I think, you know, in my opinion, it's it's very difficult to raise money that way, um, especially because so many people are doing it. So if you're if you're sort of in that community, you're getting hit up every week. Um, so what happens when crowdfunding gets crowded? Exactly, exactly. So um, so you know it'll be interesting to see how how it goes. Uh, down the line and if it continues to be as popular as it is now. Um, but I think it's a great a great tool for, for filmmakers, and we're definitely, um, you know, happy with the results that people are seeing so far. And, and one thing... Yeah. You know, one, one thing that... It, 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 there's two possible ways to look at it. I mean, there is a the concern about crowdfunding becoming crowded, but there's also kind of the field of dreams effect, that if you build it, they will come. And, um, and so... Uh, by building Kickstarter, are people now who are interested in independent film and who are willing to contribute to independent film to make sure it comes along, well, are they now going to be there looking for the next New York heartbeat? I'll make the movie and leave Kickstarter to somebody else because I truly was the single, you know, I probably worked harder or as hard on that anyway as, as we did making the film. But, you know, early on, one of the things that encouraged me was a total stranger. I've still never met him, although I've, I've spoken to him on the phone, certainly when I called to thank him. Um, contributed $7,500 um, in one, you know, with one click of his mouth. And he has an executive producer credit on the movie. And when I called him up, uh, he was a North Carolinian, I think maybe now living in Arizona, but with no connection to the film business. And I even thought, oh, he must be some multi-multi-millionaire. But from what I gleaned in our conversation, he was hes well off enough to be able to give a total stranger $7,500. But he said he, you know, that he finds it satisfying to contribute to to people's uh, film and art projects. And so he said to me, I go on these crowdfunding websites and I just look for stuff that looks interesting to me, was how he put it. And we had a small advantage in that we were a you know, Kickstarter uh, staff pick, I think. So we were on the homepage of Kickstarter for a week or two. Interesting. That was quite quite extraordinary. The other thing he told me, and this 
somewhat disappointing, and yet it didn't seem to dissuade him. He said ours was the first project that actually has that he's contributed to that actually came to fruition. You know, where he can see the movie and and his name on on IMDb. So, I mean, that reminds one of the risks inherent in that yes. in that uh, process. But isn't that true? I mean, in general, how many films? I mean, well, first of all, of, of films that are made, how many actually get distribution? You know what, Larry probably knows better than I do, but I read these, you know, we all read these unbelievable figures, 8,000 films, features, I think, or maybe that's, I don't know, total, thousands of films submitted to Sundance, you know, that don't get in, and and, and just to use that example, and, and, you know, 8,000 films aren't coming out every year, so I guess that, uh, I guess they don't get distribution, which is really heartbreaking because if you make a movie, you know, you pour everything into it and naturally you think it's good. I mean, not too many people make movies cynically. Uh, you'd, you know, you'd be dumb to make a movie because you think you're going to get rich doing that. I mean, unless you're already an established filmmaker with a, you know, even not only if you're part of an established franchise. So what, what's your next project after this? Um, well, Jordis has Jordis Gudanis, who is my husband and also the writer director of the New York Heartbeat, um, has a new project called Hellbent, and I put that on the blacklist, Bennett. And for people listening who may not be familiar with it, it's a website started by a, a very smart guy by the name of Franklin Leonard, who um, started it as just sort of an insider thing, an industry thing where people at agencies and, and production companies were aware of it. Now anybody can for a fairly reasonable fee, modest fee, post a screenplay on it. They'll do coverage on it, and uh, and they even score it. We live in that world. You know, everything's on a scale of 1 to 10, and, and that's sort of, you know, that can be a brutal system, but it also is a way of, you know, people like that. It's fast, and no one wants to take time in, in Hollywood to really think too deeply about things or to read more than they have to. But anyway, I put Hellbent on, on the blacklist, and it scored a 10. Um, that's great. And the coverage on it, yeah, I know. I was really, I mean, I have to admit, I was, I mean, I knew it was good, but, you know, you never know what people are going to think. So that was gratifying. And um, and so ICM got involved at that point, and Abigail Breslin, the young actress who's in August Osage County, is now attached to play the female lead. And we're trying to find the male lead to play opposite her because, um, frankly, it's for the most part um, actors rather than actresses who draw um uh, well, pre-sales. I mean, you raise money more on the strength of, of men. That's just the, the just the way it is. Maybe a couple of actresses, Meryl Streep, Julia Roberts, but it's, it's mostly the men. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to raise money and find a male lead so Chartist can direct his next picture. And you know, some of the people that we've invited to new filmmakers are people who's uh, you know who, who could play an important part in his career if they respond to to a New York heartbeat. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. There are many things we would love to catch. Catching the final out of a baseball game. And that's the ball game. Reeling that big catch of the day. Or catching a ride home. Taxi! How about catching more attention, like the biggest retail brands on earth? Introducing Catchy.com, where they sell short branded attractive.com domain names. Use a short and catchy brand, just like Sony, Visa, and Nike for your next business venture. You can even rent to own for as low as $100 a month. Catch a big break for your business with Catchy.com. 
Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. You have made it to the Merchant Help Desk. We'll break down ways to succeed in your online marketing operation, SEO for e-commerce, legal issues, PCI compliance, and more. Merchant Help Desk, on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, I'm looking at the blacklist, and it's um, blcklst.com. Um, so it's uh, that not even uh, the domain isn't even the blacklist, but it's. Um, and as a non screenwriter, um, Blacklist membership is limited to agents, managers, producers, financiers, directors, actors, and those working closely with um, them whose interest in a screenplay can materially advance a writer's career. So, um, interesting. So, it is interesting how the, the Internet is actually helping people push the, even now the early stage. You know, um, Kickstarter is just the funding. You know, this is just really getting a, scre- a screenplay launched. Yeah, no, it's it's important. Tredis, because of the ten, was uh, submitted by Franklin to us uh, for a screenwriting fellowship. That Cassie and Ellis, who's a really well-known um, independent producer, I mean, his the list goes on and on and on. Dozens of films that we've all seen, literally dozens of films. And uh, Tredis apparently was the runner-up, which was the good news and the bad news. But but um, Cassie and called him, and they spent an hour on the phone, and he, you know, he shared some really useful information with Chartist and had some ideas about uh, how we can make that, that, that project move forward. So, you know, I'd never get Cassie and Ellis on the phone, to be honest with you, if he hadn't found us, and that was through the blacklist. So, you know, you use everything you've got, and as a friend of mine said to me recently, the more persistent you are, the luckier you get, so we're trying to be very persistent. So we only have a few minutes left. If, um for those of you who aren't familiar with the New York Harpy, I realize we, we jumped right in, but give us just a, a synopsis of the storyline. Okay, well, it's set in 1959 Brooklyn, and it really follows the travails of a young gang leader named Spider. He's uh, he's just a kid, really. He's not that bad, but he's at a crossroads in his life where he has to make a decision um, about whether he's going to really get into a life of crime or whether he's going to choose uh, another path. And at the beginning of the film, he and his buddies commit a crime, kind of penny-ante stuff, or or so they think, but they get in way over their heads. And uh, as you can imagine, trouble ensues, Um, mostly in the form of Eric Roberts, (laughs) who will be with us uh, on Saturday at New Filmmakers. Uh, I've seen the clips with him, and he's very, he always is, but in this he's very good as as a bad guy. Yeah, no, he's good as in every kind of guy. I mean, he's gotten known as bad guys. I think actors find them more interesting to play than, than good guys. But he's a terrific actor, and, you know, I'm kind of hoping for Eric. I don't think it will happen with Heartbeat because the part, frankly, is not big enough. Um, but uh, he's he's certainly one of our stars. But somebody is going to find give him a part. He's going to get a part like Mickey Rourke had in The Wrestler, and he will just reinvent and redefine himself because he is mega talented. And I think his career was eclipsed by his sister, you know, Julia Roberts. And he had some well publicized uh, troubles years ago with substance abuse, which he's very open about. I'm not spilling the beans, um, but he is clean and sober and hardworking and frankly was a delight to work with so yes i mean he's yeah he he was really big for a while and actually didn't he work with mickey rourke on a project 
Yeah, oh yeah, the pipe of, of Greenwich Village, which okay. is actually one of the best films either one of them has ever done. And Eric was nominated for an Oscar twice, um, definitely for One Runaway Train with John Voight. I want to say also for Star 80, you know, the Bob Fosse yes, film. Mean, and actually, Runaway Train was one of the most intense films I ever saw. Um, yeah. John Voight was tremendous in that, and I didn't know I didn't know uh, Eric was nominated. It was, it's definitely a, it, it didn't get wide, it wasn't widely seen. I mean, getting people excited about a, a movie about a runaway train in Alaska maybe was, that wasn't the easiest thing, but it's it's just an intense film. Oh, yeah. I think it's one of those films, I mean, it's been a, a while. I know the critical response to it at the time was, was excellent. And you watch a film like that now, and it's like you rediscover it, or if you haven't seen it, you discover it. I mean, it really holds up. As um, do, I mean, so many films from that era, and he was in some of the best, truly some of the best. And, and Larry, um, what, what do you have next after this, this weekend's festival? Um, we actually um, we actually have a special event coming up in um, in March, which I think is really uh, interesting. I'd love to share the information about it. We partner with the city of LA to present a Los Angeles student media film festival. Oh, that's so um, essentially, it's open to the entire county of LA high school students, and we program about. Uh, 60 films from high school students all around L.A. County. Um, we give out over $5,000 in prizes, cash prizes. Um, so that's really great, and that's coming up in March, so we're really excited about it. And your website is? It's nsmla.org. All right. And um, um, Laura, what's the best way for people to find more information about? Um, well, first of all, on Saturday, is that open to the public or that's private screening? No, no, it's open to the public. Yeah. Great. And, Lauren, if they want to find information about New York Heartbeat? Yeah, well, they can find it one of two ways. They can certainly go on New Filmmakers, and uh, that's, uh, you know, as Larry just said, NFM, as in New Filmmakers, nfmla.com, right, Larry? Uh, yeah, .com or .org. Both of them will work. Oh, okay, they both work. And then, um, you know, they can find information about our film and the other films. Most of us, I think, have trailers on the website and uh, and media kits that are actually available to the public. Or if they want to go uh, deeper, they can go to our website, which is the New York Heartbeat Movie dot com. I think if you just type the title of the film, The New York Heartbeat, into the uh, into the address line, if that's the word for that thing at the top of your computer, it'll take you right there. It comes up, I think, first in a Google search. And on our website, we have clips and we have behind the scenes and we have interviews and, of course, we have a trailer. Great. Well, I want to thank you. And this, as an FYI, Mickey Rourke, when he got his Indie Spirit Award, um, actually went off about Eric Roberts. And he said, um, you know, I don't care what he did 15 years ago. He deserves like I got a second chance. So um, hopefully that will happen. And I want to thank both of you for um, joining us for the special film segment of Cyber Law and Business Report. And um, it definitely has been a pleasure to have you. And I look forward to hearing more about the movie and about, um, uh, Larry, what you guys are doing in Hollywood. And all the best to you. Today is a significant day in American history. Because on this day in 1835, our national debt reached zero for the only time in its history. In addition, on a more recent and more personal note, three years ago today, a man whose name I will never say on the air put a gun to the head of Congresswoman Gabby Giffords and critically wounded her and then proceeded to shoot 18 others, six of them fatally, including the granddaughter of former Phillies manager Dallas Green, who had been born on September 11, 2001. I know Gabby Giffords. I remember the last time my wife and I saw Gabby and her husband Mark Kelly. Gabby talked about the fact that Tea Party protesters had showed up at her outside her Tucson office with guns every week. A couple of weeks later, she cast her vote in favor of Obamacare. That night, someone shot at her office in Tucson, 
After that event, I wrote, quote, the healthcare shootings were clearly a warning. And I concluded that while Gabby would be judged on election day for her vote on healthcare, quote, all of us will be accountable for what we do now to prevent these seeds of hate from taking root in this dangerous year. A few days after she was shot, I wrote in Huffington Post, While Gabby barely survived last year's Republican tidal wave, on Saturday, it was hate that won by a landslide. While a tragedy of this nature requires no amplification, what is particularly disturbing is that the cancer of vitriol that is spread so malignantly across our body politic would consume the life of Christina Green, who was born on September 11, 2001, amidst a brief period of national unity unmatched since World War II, but which is now a distant memory. Gabby and her husband, Mark, thanked me for the prior column I wrote and responded by telling them that I just wanted them to know that people out there got their back. That is something all of us can do now in response to Tucson's day of terror. Just as midnight gives way to dawn, so must we fight darkness with light. We can shine a light on hate speech and incitements to violence by promptly exposing and denouncing it wherever we see it and calling it for what it really is. This is because the offense of hate speech is not just its content, but the assumption that the listener must share these views. This is especially true when hate is wrapped in the flag, since there is nothing patriotic about hate, bigotry, or violence against public servants chosen by the people. As President Clinton stated in response to the Oklahoma City bombing, those who appropriate our sacred symbols for paranoid purposes and compare yourselves to colonial militias who fought for the democracy you now rail against, you are wrong. How dare you call yourselves patriots and heroes? We must shine this light not only on those who would incite hate or call for violence, but those who rebuke rewards and too often turn a blind eye towards such actions. For the fact is that leaders who purposely elect to ignore, minimize, or even deflect attention from bigotry and hate are equally complicit in the offense and should be condemned as accessories and cowards. If enough of us do this with half the energy, spirit, and determination that Gabby has brought to public service, we can go a long way towards reclaiming public debate for what Robert Kennedy referred to on the night of Martin Luther King's assassination as the vast majority of people in this country who want to live together want to improve the quality of our life and want justice for all human beings that abide in our land. So pray for Gabby and our wounded nation with the hope that our days of living dangerously will end and that Tucson's day of terror will lead to a renaissance of reason in American politics. I wrote that three years ago, and three years later I can tell you it has not. Our politics are just as acerbic, and nothing has been done, as Tucson gave way to Sandy Hook, which gave way to Santa Monica. A new study has found that mass shootings have spiked from five a year between 2000 and 2008 to 16 a year from 2009 to 2012. 
On the day of the mass shootings here in Santa Monica, the local high school was was having its graduation with helicopters and police lines only a few blocks away. I sent a note to a neighbor who was graduating that day, and I told her congratulations, and hopefully this won't be happening when her kids graduate. An estimated 41% of gun-related homicides and 94% of gun-related suicides would not occur under the same circumstances had no guns been present. Keeping a gun in the home raises the risk of suicide by a factor of 3 to 5 and increases the risk of suicide with a firearm by a factor of 17. The association between firearm ownership and increased risk of suicide cannot be explained by a higher risk of psychiatric disorders in the homes with guns, since there's no evidence of that. A gun in the home is more likely to be used in a homicide, suicide, or unintentional shooting than to be used in self-defense. In fact, every time a gun injures or kills in self-defense, it is used 11 times for completed and attempted suicides, 7 times in criminal assaults and homicides, and 4 times in unintentional shooting deaths or injuries. And yet, we cannot debate the issue. I was heartbroken to hear that Gabby was was shot, and just as sad today to report that so little has changed. So be sure to join us next week when we have a special Affiliate Summit edition. Until then, this is Bennett Kelly from the Internet Law Center. Court is adjourned. Be sure to download our mobile app and listen to us wherever you go. And one final thought, go Pats. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.